Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. And this is something else that Krejci brought up. Uh, you know, as good of a, a player as Pasternak and some of the young guys are, this next group of leadership ha- hasn't won a Stanley Cup. So you're looking at um, the core that used to be there that had that had the Stanley Cup under their belt in 2011, and that is really gone away. And Marshawn's still there, but the next group of guys are hungry for their own Stanley Cup, uh, in particular someone like David Pasternak, who – it's you know he's so good he he deserves one i could say that the same thing about mcdavid that that hasn't happened for him either but um the one the most optimistic thing that craig said in the whole press conference was that um you know that Pasternak doesn't have the stanley cup yet but he thinks that um he'll do it in boston so uh he was still very optimistic about the bruins future well the bruins future is definitely optimistic on the back end and on the wing, as long as Pasternak is there and in goal. Um, but, you know, I guess if you're, if you're not going to have the next guys ready to go when Bergeron and Krejci retire, I get that the timing is tough, especially when you're competing. I think what is going to be sorely missed in the development of players like Georgie Merkulov, should he be NHL bound one day or Matthew Poitra, should he be NHL bound one day? is they're not going to have the ability to sit on a bench on a fourth line role or a third line role and watch Bergeron, how he plays the game 200 feet and say, okay, this is how I have to play uh, center ice. And he's got, so, so now the, any center that the Bruins have currently drafted or will draft in the future, they're going to have to kind of sink or swim on their own. And they're going to have to develop through great coaching and who knows, maybe Bergeron comes back in a coaching capacity at some point or just helps. I don't, you have, you have no idea. Um, nobody really helped Bergeron. I mean, he was behind Joe Thornton for a couple of years before the Bruins traded him. I wouldn't say Bergeron modeled his game after Joe Thornton. They were kind of two different players completely. So Bergeron was able to, Bergeron, that was his DNA. It was his DNA to be the, the type of player that he was. So I guess the Bruins, I'm sure their scouting department is in search of players that might have that similar makeup like a Bergeron to be self-motivated and have that self-drive. And maybe a player like Matthew Poitra is one of those who knows. I mean, he's probably the highest rated centerized prospect they have right now besides Merkulov. So that's why I'm mentioning those two names. Um, I guess that's just a missed opportunity because 
it's one thing for Charlie Coyle and Pavel Zaka to watch the Krejci and Bergeron. That's great. I mean, they're established NHL players. Like they've, you know what I mean? Uh, Trent Frederick, sure. He, I don't think he has the ceiling of a number one center at all um, or number two center really. So those players, it's great for them to have watched Bergeron and Krejci, but not having any of their recent draft picks have a chance to kind of watch them up close and personal, I think is a missed opportunity. The roster wasn't really open for anybody recently, so I'm not, I get it. I'm just saying in theory, it'd be nice if at one point, like if the Bruins, if they came back one more year, right? If Bergeron and Krejci came back for one more year for the hundredth season and, and um, in a perfect world, maybe a Merkulov sneaks into a lineup later and see who knows or whatever. But um, as you guys have mentioned off the top um, family and injuries really prevented these two players from coming back. And so it is what it is. Um, you just would have liked to at least have some sliver of overlap um, to watch it up, up yeah. close in person. Yeah. Well, I, I do think on that same note, like it's huge that pa- Pavel Zaka at least got that, you know, like he did at least get one year playing with them. And in, in the case of Krejci, literally playing with him on the same line, um, you know, think about how much worse this would be had they not made that trade last summer. And, you know, Nat, then you're looking at a situation where you have another year of Eric Halla. He probably out the door as a free agent this summer. His contract was up. Um, and then you're, well, then Zaka's, you're still contract for... was, Zaka's contract got renewed during the season. He technically yeah. at the time was going to be a free agent too. Right. But like, imagine, you know, you're looking for, signing another center or trading for one or, or whatever. And we know what their cap situation was. So it's like, it, you're right. Like it would have been great for some other guys to, to get that chance to, you know, maybe have already moved into a third or fourth line role and, and play behind Bergeron and Krejci in the lineup. But on the, on the optimistic side of that, uh, at least Zaka did. And, and he's, you know, a huge part of this equation going forward. Yeah, that was huge. Getting Zaka was was huge. It turned out to be a much bigger move than it seemed like at the time. Um, because, I mean, even coming in, it was kind of like, okay, this is a guy that we haven't followed him very closely. He's a winger. Like, they need centers. But, you know, you look back at where he was drafted and how he – where he played growing up and being able to be that versatile winger and center helped them this past season. But – uh in theory, he's I mean, he signed for what four more years, so um, he's part of that next that plan. Um, and I'm happy it worked out for him. I mean, the the organization as well. They're taking a risk. They didn't know he hadn't had any super impressive seasons. He had struggled in New Jersey um, for probably just for lacking that right fit, but. It was kind of a, if you remember the first few months of the season before he got the extension, it was kind of like a uh, prove yourself situation. Like we will extend you, but you got to show us first that you can handle it. And he did. And now he's here um, for the longer term. So he did everything he needed to do to give the Bruins hope that he can fill in as the number one center or number two center, which in my mind, I, I would call him the number one center now, just because I think he's your your best center currently and not to take anything away from Charlie Coyle because obviously Charlie Coyle has played center for almost the majority of his like NHL career. And then you have Zaka who not fully established there yet, but I still think he fit wise is probably your number one center on, on your, your line. So 
Uh, that was a huge get. Eric Hollow was not going to be part of the long-term answer here with the Bruins. Um, Zach is also younger um, and plays a more similar center style to Bergeron than Hala did. So he was, and, and to your point, Brian, he played with both Bergeron and Krejci for a year. And those two guys are people he had already said he was trying to model his game after when he was coming up. So I'm sure that was a huge help for him. Yeah, he has he as it pertains to him versus Coyle. I mean, Zaka has the far higher ceiling, uh, in particular offensively. I think that the Halla for Zaka trade, um, it's he's younger, as you mentioned, Bridget. He's got he's bigger. I think he's a I think he's a he's a smoother skater. I think he's a better skater. I think Halla is fast, but he's choppy. Um, Zaka he can play different. He he can play at different tempos. I think he's got smoother hands, better vision. Like he's just a better player overall. And, and you're right. It's a massive addition because this time last year, give or take, we were talking about if Bergeron and Krejci don't come back, like you mentioned, Bridget, it was like, well, now they need a number one and a number two center. And that that's not the case right now. I mean, there's a narrative going around that, oh, Bergeron and Krejci have retired. The Bruins are down there. They're number one and number two center from last year. Okay, technically people are right. I think that's a lazy narrative because I think that in reality, the need right now, the Bruins are a center short, not two. Uh, I, I don't think that like Krejci, having Krejci on the Bruins last year, this year going forward, like it was a luxury. It wasn't really a necessity for them to be uh, a bit like he's not like Zaka could be a number two center um, if Bergeron was here. So if 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 Bergeron stayed and Krejci retired, the Bruins wouldn't be missing Zaka and um or Krejci. I'm sorry, from a, from a positional need. So yes, having Zaka, you're down a center, not two. Um. So you're right. It's a, it's it's a big addition, and and he's here with terms. So going the next going over the next couple of years here, you just got to find that number one guy, and maybe it is Zaka, but you got to find a number two guy if that's the case. You know, it's just they're a cent- they're a top two center short. That's for sure. Um, will they make a move before the regular season goes to get an, an upgrade? We've talked about this at nauseum. We just don't think it's out there. If it happens, it's going to have to be cr- through creativity and just ways we don't see it. For, But I think Zaka and Coyle are the two guys going into the season. Um, but next year, like they'll definitely be buyers in the offseason and in free agency. If somebody becomes available, the Bruins will be all over it. But you're going to have to get into bidding wars and hope that they choose you. But um, in any event, Yes, Zaka here solves the, the the problem of needing only one center, not two, for sure. Yeah, and if Zaka builds off what he did last year, then he's going to be an underpaid top two center. He's going to be very good value at four point seven five million. Like normally, you know, number one center, you're talking about nine plus million. Number two center, you're usually talking, you know, I don't know, six to eight million in today's NHL. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, if he does grow into that and, and really establishes himself as, if not your true number one center, then, like we said, at least a solid second center or, you know, someone you're just comfortable with on one of your top two lines, uh, then he's also a really good value there. And that helps with your cap situation going forward and helps, you know, when, like you said, Brian, like there's going to have to be a bidding war to find a, a true number one center if that's what they're trying to do, whether it's, now trade deadline next summer 
all of the above, you know, I think Sweeney's now going to kind of constantly be on that search and exploring any and all options. Um, you know, their cap situation was awful this year, but it will be better next year. And having Zach on a very reasonable contract helps. So um, there's, there's that too. Yeah. And, and by the way, we were talking about them not having the younger guys that they've drafted coming up, but Zaka was a number six overall pick. So you missed on him the first time around. You, you obviously they weren't picking that high. Um, so they weren't going to get a center like him in the draft that year. Um, but they found a way to get him eventually later. Um, and it worked out as like a change of scenery kind of move for both Zaka and Howla and, you know, both of them not fitting necessarily in the organizations they were with. So you luck out that this number six overall center ends up with you anyway, a few years later after the draft and still young. I think when he came over, he was 25, he's 26 now, I believe um, Zaka. So you end up not having to worry about the fact that maybe in that few drafts, you weren't able to find the solution because you get the guy a little bit later. And then we, the only real other center well, we've seen in, in that draft specifically, I mean, they could have gotten a top two center. Yeah, they could have. That, that was 2015 when they yes. did not draft Matthew Barzell. Yes. They got the and but once again, Zaka was a higher a higher pick than Barzell that they wouldn't have like been able to get even with that pick. But um either way, uh they made up for it, right, Brian, for mm-hmm. that at least yeah years down the road yeah. <laughs> and then the, and, the know, other center prospect recently that we've seen we haven't seen many of their younger guys get a crack at it because they've they've had such a deep professional roster of nhl caliber guys um that had pretty much solidified their positions was the failed jacks the nika experiment um was one of the only other times that, and frederick at a time was brought up and playing center and then they moved away from that and moved him to wing but really there haven't been many of the prospects that they have drafted that have gotten a real fair chance at even a fourth line center role because they're bringing in even for fourth line centers they're bringing in a Curtis Lazar they're bringing in a Tomas Nosek they're they're bringing in those lower contract fourth line centers that are more established and play this super defensive way and rather than trying to make this more skilled younger center fit in that fourth line role. Yeah. And, and I, I think we shouldn't just discount and not that we are, but I was just thinking out loud here. Um, you know, Morgan geeky is a guy that like, let's, I'm curious. I'm very curious about him. I mentioned it on the last episode. I, for a player, I'm just really interested to see how this season plays out for him along with Zaka. But I mean, could he, could he just what what's his ceiling do we know like could he end up could he be a could he be a, a, a an elite number three center fringe number two center in the future um is there a yeah, lot I mean, more to get could to... Be a, a kind of change of scenery kind of move that gets him spurred as well the same way we we're just talking about zaka last season mm-hmm. yeah opportunity is sometimes what, what what players need and 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 he has size he has a great re- great release um shot first mentality and I think skating is what he needs to improve on from what he says about himself and, and others. But, you know, what's his ceiling? What's the ceiling of Jesper Boquist? Um, again, to your point, Bridget, in a new environment with different opportunity. Um, are any of those guys number one centers? No. Um, but, you know, it's just it's, – it's, it's, it's worth following. And, you know, 
do you guys feel like because right now, in my opinion, in net Bruins are as good as any right now in the league, uh, as far as the tandem goes. On the blue line, the Bruins are as good as any in the league, I would say, right now. Um, just about anybody else, I would say. Up front, we've talked about it. They're down a center, a top two center, uh, and they're down a top six wing. Do you feel like there's any chance that either Lysel or Merkulov, and I know Merkulov is a centerman, but as we've seen before, sometimes the transition to the NHL is on the wing just to get you know your feet wet. Uh, he's a left shot. Lysel's a right shot. We know DeBrus can play both sides, so there's flexibility there. Um, I think I'm not going to ask you guys to predict the future, but I think that's a fun storyline to follow too. Can one of those two maybe crack their way into a middle six winger role um, this year? Because I, because I really don't think the Bruins, we know they don't have a ton of money. And if they can make a deal and pay for, for, for forward, it's going to be up the middle, right? At some point, probably not in the wing. They're probably, that's a situation where they're going to try to maybe find that internally. Uh, Cause I don't know if they really love the idea of JBR being like their top goal scoring winger besides after Pasternak or DeBrusque. So um, that's an interesting story on the follow. Do you guys feel like there's a ceiling there for either of those two? Yeah, there's definitely an opportunity. Like, you know, you mentioned they're likely down a top six winger, and that's because we think JVR at this point is ideally a third liner. Even if he's in the top six, there's a huge opening on the third line. You know, you pencil Frederick and Geeky into two spots, one of them center, one wing, and you think those guys are probably third liners. You know, the third player on that line is wide open like it it could be Boquist it could be Jacob Lauka moving up you know or it could be any of these young guys making a push and I think you put Merkulov and Lysel at sort of the front of that line just because one they've already played a professional season they're you know they have the most upside uh they're highly ranked in their prospect system so yeah it would you hope to see those guys make a push and whether they ultimately win a spot or not, you know, we'll have plenty of time to to break that down as camp preseason goes on. But at the very least, yeah, I think you you want to see those guys have good camp, play well their first preseason game or two or three or whatever, and really make it a conversation and make it interesting and force Jim Montgomery and Don Sweeney to think about keeping them. Like, that... That whether they end up getting the spot or not, like that would be good if they're just making that push. Because then, at the even if they don't win an opening night roster spot, at least you know they're close. And they go down to Providence, they do a little more developing, and you think, hey, you know what? If we need some help come November, December, those guys are ready. We already saw that they were close. Um, it would be, it you know, now on the, like the flip side it's not the end of the world if they're not ready. Like those guys do still have some developing to do, but it, it would be like a little disappointing if they're not, if it looks like they're not close, like, like if we get into camp and preseason, it's like, ah, Boquist and Lauko are kind of, you know, clearly outperforming Merkulov and Lysel. And it's not that much of a competition. That'd be kind of disappointing. Like I just, I want to see like a real push from Lysel and Merkulov. Yeah, and those are thinking about this kind of 
topic is what makes me excited and look forward to hockey season this year and even look forward to preseason because we're weird like that and we like preseason and we like to uh, analyze every little bit of who should move where and where can this person fit and are they ready to come up um and it i'm i'm excited to see how lysel and Merkelef do in preseason we do have to remember lysel is coming back from a concussion. Um, he is cleared to play now, but uh, in terms of getting a full off season to work out and do things, he had to take a bit of time off uh, because of the injury he suffered at the end of last season. So he hopefully has enough time here through, and he started coming back mid, uh, mid July, right? So he's had all of August um, to work towards things and try to get himself on track for this next season. I also think when you mentioned Brian Zaka being able to learn under Bergeron and Krejci for a year, it would be, I'm sure it would help a lot for Lysel to play with and learn from somebody like David Pasternak. Uh, the sooner, the better with that kind of thing. So um, the quicker you get wingers up to to talk to, you know, the Brad Marchands and David Postonox, who are professionals that have been on the team for a long time, uh, could help with their development as well, if it makes sense. And if they are determined to have beat out some of the more established guys, um, or even just guys that have like Lauko, who I wouldn't call him super established, but more established than someone who hasn't played. Yeah, and I think it's fair to – that's a good point, Bridget, and I think that Merkulov can also uh, learn from Pasternak. In particular, he, 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 has, a, he has a lethal shot, and, and, he, and uh, you watch him down in Providence last year on their power play. They, they like to use Merkulov a lot, um, like Boston does with, with, with Pasternak uh, sitting at the circle. They're, they just play opposite circles because Merkulov is a lefty, so he's at the right, the right hash and Pasternak is at the, the left for the one-timer. So, like, in regards to perfecting the one-timer and just, you know, movement without the puck on the power play, that's something Merkulov can learn from Pasternak too. But, um, yeah, it's definitely – look, the, the the doom and gloom cloud that has been over last season's end, um, for me, is completely gone. And it's because, like, you can only one team, team wins a Stanley Cup every year. And um, so <laughs> – if you go into a season with cup aspirations or not, one team wins, you'll either be disappointed. But I think there's a lot of excitement here for Boston just to watch the development of players. And I do think they're going to be competitive, as we've talked about. They're, yeah, you're you're a top six winger and a top six center short, fine. But everywhere else, the team is pretty complete. And a lot a lot of teams that have number one and number two, number two centers um, can't say that for their team. So what the Bruins lack um, – Versus other teams, the Bruins have over other teams. It's gonna be that's why it's gonna be a very competitive season for I think in the, in the NHL, and and yeah, I think Scott, to your point, like I would be disappointed if if they're not pushing because Merkulov is twenty two, and 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 Lysel's twenty, and we talked about Wyatt Johnson in Dallas, like like kids. I mean, Tyler Sagan was was on the I know he's number two pick. I get it. Uh, different time and era, I get it, but you know he was 18 years old when he when he was a rookie with the with the Bruins, and yeah, he was a healthy scratch and whatnot. But my point is, players come into the NHL at 18, so to expect a 20 year old to to push is completely fair, and certainly for a 22 year old in Merkulov. So there are a lot of fun storylines to watch this year as far as development, 
uh, chemistry. Um, you have a lot of new pieces on this team, and um, it was a very close locker room last year. They're going to have to bring. They're going to have to. New leaders have to step up. I mean, you, you've lost a lot of locker room presence and a lot of on ice presence, and and to me that creates storylines and excitement. So, um, yeah, it's around the corner. Um, I know Scott, you wanted to discuss a little bit about Krejci's legacy in Boston and and, and what that means. So before can we I get say, there, yeah, can I say one more thing about Merkulov. Um, just yeah. that his situation is also an interesting. Uh, he's an interesting piece in the organization because he was not drafted. So he was right. brought in as a free agent. So we're talking about maybe not landing these hitting on the draft picks, but evaluating talent and bringing that in from elsewhere, whether it be signing an undrafted college player and getting them into your system or trading for someone, um, but making up for uh, what maybe had been missed in or not timed correctly in terms of drafting a center. Yeah. And, and, and Tory Krug is an example of that too. So, so yeah, I, I want to throw it back to you guys. And that was, that was a while ago, but the Bruins are good at identifying NCAA prospects. And, um, Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. 